Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. I am Chad Russell, the co-host of this little ditty, and that is Kurt Souter of Solid Steps Radio and Further Still Ministries. And uh, we are a show for men by men, talking about things from a guy's perspective. And we like to just cover all angles. We like to talk about life and uh, how it pertains to us as men. And ladies listen, and that's great. And uh, they always come up to us and they're the ones who come up to us and say, oh, I love the show and listen to it. So we hope there are some guys listening. <laughs> we think there are. But we really enjoy doing this show. It is a blessing to do it because we get to talk and hear really the story that God is writing in men's lives. And if men, if you're listening right now, uh, we believe that you are a man of destiny, that you have a destiny and that destiny is to walk with God through Jesus Christ. And you will live out your destiny and fulfill your identity in Christ when you submit and and lose your life to him. Jesus said you have to lose your life in order to gain it. And upside down of Jesus. It's upside down. And and, and a lot of times um, the the word freedom gets used. There's freedom in Christ uh, and there's bondage uh, when you're not in Christ, you're bond, bound to the world, to the enemy, to your flesh. But Christ came to undo the devil's work and to set us free. So freedom's a kind of a big deal. But when you start talking about taking away someone's freedom physically, then you start to wonder, can I be free in between my ears and in my heart? And Speaking of freedom, I got a little trivia question here, and I'm not gonna. Act, we're not gonna lie and act like we didn't just ask this 30 seconds ago, Kurt. So I'm gonna. I was gonna ask, and then you're gonna fake it and act like you didn't know the answer because we just talked about this. So I'll ask this to my our listeners. How about that? Is how long do you think the Apostle Paul, who wrote two thirds of the New Testament, how long of a prison sentence or term? Collectively, how, how, did he stay in how long of a prison career did he have? <laughs> Not a career. Career, you get paid. <laughs> career, you receive something for it. Uh, so, how long was Paul in prison? It says in here, according to this website, which I know has got to be accurate, uh, is five and a half to six years total. So, Paul spent about five and a half to six years total in prison. And our guest today spent about three times that in physical prison, but there was also freedom. He found freedom through imprisonment, and we'll hear more about that. So um, it's great to have you back, Daryl. You have, uh, you've been on the show before, um, but we've got Daryl Davis with you, uh, with us today, and uh, just welcome to the show. Thanks, Kurt. I appreciate that. Always uh, good to be here with you and Chad. Uh, so Daryl, you, uh, so about three to four times longer than the Apostle Paul in prison. Don't you feel good about that? <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> Not age-wise, anyway. 22 and a half years, and it's funny because people say, why do you always add that half? Let me tell you, if you were there, that half meant something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Six months, right? That's so 22 right. and a half years, you're in prison. You were sentenced for how long? 35 years. 35 years. Tell our listeners just um, a real quick um, what happened to get you into prison. Well... In 1988, April 26, to be exact, I committed a very heinous crime. I took a life. I was a drug deal gone bad. I murdered a man. I stabbed him 22 times. Uh, left the scene of the crime, was arrested, uh, put in jail for 10 days, made bond, stayed out for two years. In 1989, while I was out on bond, I got saved. Went to trial in 1990, was given 35-year sentence for wanton murder. Wait, 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 before they sentenced you, Okay, so you came to Christ. 
while you're out um, before they sent you into prison? Correct. Were you thinking uh, a, a more lenient sentence? I actually was thinking God was going to make a way for me to get out. Completely. I really did. And it's funny because I wasn't being discipled, Kurt, but, and I re- I'll never forget this, late 1989, just prior to trial date, I knelt and I prayed a second prayer, a very, when I say second prayer, I'd been praying after I was saved. Um, didn't know how to pray really, but this prayer was one of those desperations. And, uh, and so I said, Lord, would you make a way for me not to go to prison? I have no idea how I knew that God was sovereign enough to move heaven and earth and change circumstances, but I just knew it in my spirit. And uh, when I got up off the floor, yeah, I just had this knowingness within what God's answer was. And the answer was, I'm going to prison. You, really? You, I knew it. You, you sensed his voice was saying to you, Daryl, you've been out, uh, you know, for two years. You're going you're gonna to go to prison. When the sentence comes, you sense that in your spirit. I did. It was a knowingness within that I can't explain. That's the best words I can put it in. But, um, yeah, I knew so, it. So the day that they sentenced you, what's going through your mind? Well, I was pretty angry at the lawyers at the money I paid for them because they were very high-dollar lawyers <laughs> who promised me I was not going to prison. Uh, and I bought that pipe dream until I was saved. And even through that time until that day of kneeling down before the Lord. But um, when they... Uh, pronounced 35 years it's it's the craziest storm you've ever seen in your life in my head I was spinning my head was spinning I felt like I was going to fall out of the chair but my heart had perfect peace which is exactly what Philippians tells us that he gives us peace that far surpasses all understanding it was it was beyond my mental comprehension so, so in you've got peace but your head's spinning yeah. you you got to get your head around I'm going to be behind bars for 35 years. 35 years. How old were you at the time? I was 29. Hmm. 29 years old. And uh, did they take you s- straight there? They did. My attorneys assured me that I'd stay out on appeal bond. And um, the judge said, no, take, remand him into custody now. And so I was taken into custody immediately. Uh, no closure. Still had a lot of business out in the streets. I'd already filed Chapter 13, sold my business, my home. Um, but yeah, I still had undone business. And so that, um, wh- where did you go? I'm, I went immediately to the Jefferson County Metro, stayed there for a couple of weeks, and then Rotor Correctional for about 40 days, and then went into Kentucky State Reformatory for seven years. And then uh, you were there for seven years. Mm-hmm. Then you were transferred to where? Luther Luckett for another seven. Uh, you were there for se- another seven years. Correct. And then um, what... What's going on in your heart? I mean, now you've been in prison for 14 years. Yes. What's going on? Well, I I used my time. I had one fear going to prison, and that's that I was going to come out of prison the same way I went in. And that's a healthy fear um, that I really believe the Holy Spirit just gave me that motivation with that I just didn't want to come out of prison the man that I went in, even though I was saved. Um, I still had an insatiable uh, appetite for drugs, even after I was saved. The Holy Spirit began, I mean, the conviction was very strong. Not being discipled, I didn't know the distinction between condemnation versus conviction. I didn't understand Romans 8.1. I hadn't laid my eyes on that scripture yet. There's therefore no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Um, I just felt condemned because I was still smoking weed, and, uh, but I just wasn't doing it comfortably. Now, you're smoking weed in prison? No, no. Before I got to prison, while I was out on bond, after my experience of, of uh, salvation. Um, but I was convicted. I felt bad about it. I began to pray, Lord, deliver me from this. So I, and now I'm in prison. Um, and I thought I was away from drugs. Little did I know there's a lot of, pri- a lot of drugs in prison. Um, and so uh, 
but God gave me the ability to stay away from that. I began to dump the wrong friends. I put around myself the right friends, got in church, got a job as a chapel clerk, started educating. How, how, back up just a little bit. How did you, I mean, how did you know to stay away? You know, the Proverbs clearly says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. How did, how did you know that? Well, I... I was diligent in the scriptures. I began to get in the Word really heavy. Three and four hours a day, I just put my nose to the grind and just just let the Holy Spirit begin to work in my heart. But I was approached with all the wrong friends. When I got to Kentucky State Reformatory, a lot of the guys that I had did crimes in the streets with growing up, they were there. They had already gotten caught, and uh, they saw my case on, on the news and was excited that I was coming down with them. And so, <laughs> and here's so, our buddy Daryl. Daryl's yeah. coming to the party. <laughs> exactly. So they've got they're running parlay tickets. They've got dope on the yard. They got money. They got all this stuff going on. They got the structure of the yard. And I'm, they're like, "Hey, we got you, bro." And I'm like, "No, you don't." And so I'd make a stand. And it's funny how the Holy Spirit speaks to you in your language. My dad, not so wise of a man, but used to always say things like this: "Son, if you don't stand for something, you fall for anything." And, and I hadn't heard that term in so many years. It was unbelievable. But when one of my friends, Billy, approached me and said, we got, you know, we got things on this yard in control. We're controlling the yard, and we got you. I heard by the power of the Holy Spirit, I know that little that phrase. And if you didn't stand for something, you'd fall for anything. And so I went to Billy, and I said, hey, man, I, I can't do this anymore. My life's changed radically, and I just don't, I'm not on board with this. And to my utter surprise, he hugged me and said, it's all right, man. Whatever you did, you said you was going to do in the streets, it's what you did. So I'm sure you'll do this. We got your back anyways. And so, wow, I was pretty, I was pretty impressed. <laughs> oh, because, I mean, when you said, I'm out, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not going down that road, you, you really thought that they would what? I thought I'd be ostracized and ridiculed by them and, and, and probably, you know, looked at as a, like, you know, a freak, you know, a Jesus freak, Bible packing, you know. Yeah. And so, uh, but they embraced you, and they were they were still warm to you. They did. That's incredible. Did. In fact, many years down the road, I had, I had enough impact in some of them's lives to be, to be able to see some changes happening. In their lives? In their lives. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so, um, Daryl, um, you're, you're spending three to four hours a, a day reading God's Word, studying God's Word. You're also doing... Um, uh, you mentioned before we even started the show uh, some things, other things you were doing in prison. What what were the, those things? Well, I went in with a tenth grade education. Um, I didn't have an opportunity to finish education in the streets. I was living in a car by sixteen and on my own and kind of fending for myself. And so, uh, but and I always wanted education. So I had an opportunity to get this here. That's one of the things the state of Commonwealth does offer in prison. And so I was able to get a GED and associates, a bachelor's in theology over those years. Um, there were several vocations they offered, and so I, I kept my days busy. You got a GED, you got an associate's degree in what? Arts. In arts, yeah. and then you got a bachelor's degree in theology. Yeah, through boys. That's incredible. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'll tell you what, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and hear more of Daryl's story. And for a guy who thought, well, I'm not going to serve any prison time. God's going to deliver me, and I'm not going to go to prison. You may hear that and think, well, how foolish are you? you? You've murdered a man. You killed a man. How do you think you're not going to serve time? Well, he gets in, and, and you would think then maybe it's, okay, Lord, now you're going to rescue me. And we're going to hear more about Daryl's story about his entire time and what God was doing while he was not having any physical freedom, but the freedom he was equipped with while he was incarcerated. So we're going to take a break, and we'll be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio. Hello, and welcome back 
to our second segment of Solid Steps Radio. Uh, thank you for listening. If you're just joining us, we're here with Daryl Davis today. And Daryl, if you missed the first segment, then you heard, did not hear that Daryl had been in prison uh, for um, 14, 12, 14 years in our, when we last, last left um, him and his story. And uh, if you feel imprisoned by your bank because of your monthly fees, you need to go to Ellen and Credit Union. <laughs> <laughs> I had to work the prison thing in there. I don't. I don't know. Uh, anyway, so Ellen and Credit Union—they are a local credit union, local lender. Uh, and if you have any financial needs, whether it's internet banking, deposits, lending, checking, business—you name it—they can help you out. Ellen and Credit Union—they're uh, local and they are a supporter of our show and a supporter of our community and also Vision First Eye Care. Um, it's funny. I one of my boys took a pair of my glasses and hit him and he hit him really well i don't know where they are my good glasses <laughs> yesterday i found an old pair of glasses that were from vision first as well so uh vision first is taking care of me all the way across the board and they can take care of you uh, if you have eye issues if you do not have a family eye doctor vision first would be a great place to do that they want to take care of you as a person not just your eyes so we want to thank vision first for being a sponsor of our show and for their work in the community as well Okay, so Daryl, you, you, uh, you've been in prison now for 12 years. Right. Is that right? Yes. And you, you've, you've, you've done the whole educational thing. You also did some vo- vocational thing. Tell our listeners what that was about. Correct. Um, <clears throat> in every institution, they offer opportunity to get vocations, uh, whether it be masonry, carpentry, uh, fiber optics. And so uh, most of those are about two-year classes. And so um, up until this point, I had... Uh, finished, completed three vocations, um, and so I did carpentry, masonry, and fiber optics, indeed. Uh, so, and, so, and that's like, all to prepare you for when you get out. Correct. So that you can get a, you, you're qualified, certified to be, get a get a job. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I had a vocation when I went in. I, I well, I owned a moving company, and so I did pretty well that way. But I, I thought, you know what, I'm here. Why not use the opportunity to educate and prepare myself for when I leave. Uh, I had did a GED, Associates in Arts. Uh, by this time, I finished a bachelor's in theology. I was blessed with the opportunity to have services given to me uh, through the chapel program. I was teaching discipleship classes. I was setting up accountability groups. I was working as a chapel clerk. That's when I first um, met you. Yeah, you did. You did. 18, about 18 years ago. Yeah, that's right. I'll never forget that. I, you were heading up the uh, men's ministry from Southeast, and I contacted you and said, and it was a cold call, I said, hey man, we're set up accountability groups, can you come in and, and kick it off officially, and you did. I appreciated that. So, um, but you, so you did the educational thing, you did the theological thing, you, you were, uh, you know, you, you, you're studying the word, you're doing the vocational thing, and then comes, after 12 years, my first parole board hearing. And, and what's going on in your heart? Well. You know, I, I think we're such works-oriented people, uh, you know, that well, at least let me speak for myself. <clears throat> I felt like, Kurt, if you do the right thing, if, if you serve the Lord with fervor and, and uh, you know, you are absolutely giving away. And I did. I gave myself away into that place uh, every single day. I, I ministered to men. I, I taught, discipled, counseled, walked alongside of, read letters to the illiterate, wrote letters uh, uh, for the illiterate, wrote letters for the illiterate. Um, did Bible studies for the, the people who had you know mental issues there in the facilities. I, I really poured myself into Christ. You, you were really a pastor to many of these prisoners. I really was. God opened that door for me to have an opportunity. 
and and I seized that opportunity with every you know every every turn I was there, and so you just you just normally think, okay, here I am seeing the pro board. God is pleased with my life, and so I surely have to be where He wants me to be, and so I went in. I sat down, I had completed all these classes and vocations, did all the right thing, never got in trouble. And within just a few minutes, uh, I was uh, berated. Um, they said, how dare you come here thinking that you deserve parole? You took a life. The severity of crime is way too much. Uh, step out, we'll give you your answer in just a few minutes. And so... Um, they, 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 were, they were berating you? Big, big time. Oh my gosh, yeah. They were going after you, yes. just cutting you down i mean slicing you up yeah and 12 years of investment in classes and all the things i i had completed they flipped through all of those papers and never even looked at them they, they flipped through them in just a few seconds and said okay we see that you've done a lot of things with your time and so so i stepped out the bell rang and i came back in and they said mr davis we're going to give you 72 months we'll see you in six years six years six more years I was devastated. So, so uh, you're you're really thinking I'm going to get out. I was. And they go six more years. We'll see you in six years, and, th- and, that, and there's no promise after six years. That's right. We'll, we'll we'll just see you in six years. That's exactly right. So was this normal? Because as okay, I'm outside this conversation looking in. If you stab somebody 22 times, most people in society are going to go. Are you ever going to get out? Like they would think you're not. What's the chances of you think? Why do you even think you would get out? Right. right? That is right. It, within the prison system, is that pretty common that people would be able to get out? I, I don't want to say parole? It's, it's common. Uh, it, it's really um, it's anybody's call. It's like uh, spinning a roulette wheel. To be honest with you, if mm. you do the right thing, uh, the prison system is so overcrowded that they need space. Mm. And and so if you are doing the right things and your life changes and you seem to hook up to change, um, oftentimes you could make parole. Mm. You can make parole. I've so that so that day, you walk back in. They they take what a couple minutes to talk amongst themselves. Yes. They ring the bell. You come back in. and They go. We'll see you in six years. Six. Now what? What's going through your your mind? I'm devastated. <clears throat> um, in fact, uh, at this point in time, we had um, I, and we didn't discuss this, but this is a point that I really think is important. We had a universal uh, Unitarian chaplain on board. Uh, two, in fact, back to back. And so I saw her as I was leaving um, the parole board room, and she said to me, you know, God's not involved in that decision anyway. She said, I hate that you didn't make parole. And she said, Satan is involved in that decision. And I, I kind of staggered down the walkway back to my dorm, and I was, I was angry. I was angry at God. I was devastated. I saw a lot of friends who looked up to me as a Christian, and... Um, they were supportive, but and I tried to put game face on, like I'm, I'm good, it's okay, God's, God's still God. And but I'll tell you, Kurt, I couldn't wait to get back to my bunk and just put the cover over my head and just throw a temper tantrum. I was angry, I was hurt, I didn't know, uh, I didn't know where God was. You know, all these scriptures going through my mind. Psalms 139, He knows my down, sitting, my uprising. Romans 8. 28 all things work to the good for those who love the lord you know um, you, you're, you're thinking hey I, I have served you god i've exactly. done the right thing i've done the education i've done the vocation i've done i, I i've served you i've yeah. ministered and you're and you're like going lord you you've got to get me out and he didn't yeah. i was desperate you know jeremiah 29 
11, you know, I know the plans for you, says the Lord. Plans yeah, to and prosper I'm, you. And, yeah. and you're like going, Lord, this is not this prospering is, me. This is not a good plan. <laughs> this is, that can't be your plan, Lord. And then I'm thinking of what this chaplain said about Satan was in that decision. And, and I'll tell you, I, I, this is when God really began to work in my life. You're, you're, in a sense, you're throwing a big, big pout and a big tissy fit yeah. with the Lord in your cell. Yeah. You go back to your cell, and how long are you doing this? I was teaching. I mean, classes. I think I'd be doing it for a yeah, couple, know, three I years. I, I mean, I don't. I was teaching classes, and a lot of guys looked up to me, and so. Um, Physically, I had to get back in the saddle, but not not so much in my heart. I, in my heart, it was, it was some weeks. I was down some weeks. I was pretty angry. I was trying to sort through things and, and trying to find where God was. You know, I'm devastated. I called my mother that night. Uh, she's uh, They had to carry her literally out of the parole board room. She was in another room observing on a televiewer what happened, and she was so devastated after waiting 12 years for me to come out, and she, she just broke down. You know, And so I had to call my mother that night, my family, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, and and so, yeah, it was really hard for those weeks. And, and I just, but as I, I slowly got back, I, I could I could discern what the Lord was saying to me. He was just saying, you know, just put one foot on the floor. Well, you have now, you have now. Put your foot on the floor, and I'll meet you there with grace sufficient. And and just one moment at a time become one hour and one day. And uh, His grace was sufficient, and He got me back where I need to be, but at a better place than I ever was. And had I made parole at that time, Kurt. I would have left probably theologically inept, if you will. So God knew that you needed more time. He did. No you didn't than, You didn't think that. You no, didn't know that. Not at all. Not at all. I, I was ready. The, uh, Proverbs says, uh, we make our plans, but the Lord directs our steps. That's right. And so, you, but, but you weren't really ready to embrace that. I mean, I, no. I'm, I'm thinking about, this, I mean, this, you're talking about a disappointment with a capital D. I mean, Chad, uh, what's the biggest disappointment you've had in your life? Mm. He couldn't find his glasses this morning. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, I mean, we, we, we go through life. Every person who's listening to this has disappointment. Right. And I, I can't imagine it being almost uh, you know, having a greater disappointment than what you think you're going to get out and you got another six years. Yeah. And so um, you, 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 you're struggling through this, but then you're, you're recognizing, hey, okay, God is still on the throne. God is still trustworthy. I don't understand this fully and completely, but I'm going to lean into him. Yeah. Yeah, and if I could showcase it theologically, Kurt, it would be this. At this point in my life theologically, I, I was a dualistic theologian. I, I was not, I, I believed that Satan had power to do at will pretty much what he wanted to do. Um, I, I didn't realize it until God really put me in check and began, and from there I began to realize that God is indeed sovereign. You know, he's the micromanager of the covenant of my life. Mm. And so he is either over that pro board and the decision had to be a part of him, or uh, there's an entity that has deity assigned to it. And I know that's not true. Wow. Satan did not have the power to turn a heart and override God's will. God's will had to be for me not to make parole. And there was a reason. Wow. We're going to take a break. We'll be back shortly. We're going to hear about the next six years uh, tacked onto that 12, first 12-year 12 uh, term 
and we're going to hear about what God was doing in Daryl's life in that time. So we're going to take a break, and we'll be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our third segment of Solid Steps Radio. Thank you for listening. And if you want to hear our shows in their entirety, both this show and any of our shows, commercial-free, thanks to our sponsors, you can go to Facebook, uh, iTunes, or SoundCloud.com and just type in Solid Steps Radio, and you will see all of our shows in their entirety uh, commercial-free. If you go to our Facebook page, we just have them listed right down the row. Of, of all those shows and, and links that you can click on and listen to those. And uh, we want to thank our sponsors. We want to thank uh, Bright Star Care. Uh, Bright Star Care, they do such an incredible job with folks. They help people who are in certain seasons of life help transition. If they can't take care of themselves physically, mentally, if they have uh, dementia or any type of uh, assisted care living, uh, from just helping a couple days a week or maybe somebody who needs full-time care, Bright Star Home Care does that, and we want to thank them for their sponsoring the show. I also want to thank Frank Enterprises. Uh, they take care of your septic repair. If you have a septic tank that is not working properly, then you got issues. So they <laughs> they can help come in and take care of that. serious issues. I was at a house just yesterday, and there was some drainage issues at the house, and, and they needed to do some stuff with water getting out of there properly, and that's what also Frank Enterprises does. So we want to thank them for sponsoring our show and, and uh, helping us be on air. Okay, so Daryl, you, you, you've been told by the parole board, okay, you got another six years. You kind of throw a, a fit with the Lord, and you're, you're complaining and moaning and groaning, which I, I, there's not a listener I, that it's out here that could not sympathize with that and go, yeah, I'd be complaining too, you know. But you didn't complain forever. You, you finally, uh, you said, uh, I think a few weeks. Yeah. Chad, I, how long do you think you'd be moaning and complaining? Don't ask me that question because <laughs> the truth of the matter is, I, I I think most people are listening and thinking you deserve to be there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know Daryl and I, I root for him, but if if you saw on TV somebody murdered someone, would you be rooting for them to get out in ten years? Well, uh, after after twelve years, I would. Um, but I, I would I would think, okay, but I've I've surrendered fully to the Lord. I've done all these things. Right. And I'm like, going, oh, not you know. Um, there's consequences for, and then there's penalty. Like, yes. And, and I say that just as a as a third party here, like looking in. Somebody right. listening would be able to think, why do you think you would get out early, right? Because we are on this side of of the story, and we know. But mm. I would have to think that I don't know how quickly they're going to let somebody who took a life that quickly, even though we know you're transformed in, right. There's that part of, there's the consequences. There's the penalty of sin, which has been paid for at the cross. Mm-hmm. But the consequences of the sin, is that, is that kind of... Oh, the, it makes total it, sense. It, was there any point in there where you said to yourself, I deserve to be here? Yes, absolutely. And I, I'll get to that yeah. on the next deferment. But, but you're right, Chad. I mean, that is exactly right. Romans 13, 1 is very clear. You know, there's no authority except that which God has placed in authority. Therefore, revere the authority. Right. They don't uh, wield the sword in vain. Yeah. And so... They didn't wield it in vain. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. <laughs> just saying. Oh, so now you you're, you you got another six years. So you you see the parole board six years later. What's going through your mind? Let me ask you this question beforehand. Okay. 
the six years, how different were they than the first 12? Well, for you in your head and in your relationship with God? That would be a good question to ask for the people I was teaching and discipling. That would probably be a better question for them because I'm positive my theology changed. Um, my heart began to change and I began to see things for, through a different lens. Um, that the firm, it was the best thing ever happened to me. Um, wasn't easy for, this, for me to see that uh, while I was up close and dealing with it and the trauma behind it. But as I began to get back in that place, that sweet, sweet spot with the, the Lord in my studies and uh, just that intimacy. You, 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 were, you were beginning to have your eyes open to what James 1 says, that count it all joy. Yeah. Count it all joy, Daryl, that the trials of you continuing to be in prison, it's going to be for your good. Yes, that's exactly right. And so in one sense, the next six years before your next, you're going to stand before the parole board again, was significantly different than the first 12 years. It was. My, the lens of seeing through the seeing through that lens, the word even, uh, I could see the word differently. Um, everything was different. God was deepening you. He was deepening me. The roots of your spiritual life were going deep. Yep. So you get to that six years later. Now you've been in prison for 18 years. What happened? This was, uh, okay, let me explain what happens. Um, so whoever received the longest deferment um, that's there that day seeing the pro board is first in the room. And so I received a six-year deferment, which was the longest of anyone there with me to see the pro board that day. And so I was ready, 7 o'clock in the morning. I was excited. Uh, by this time, I was... Um, I felt like I was in a good place in and Christ. Now, you, you have, have you already had your master's? I had not. I didn't get that until the deferment. Okay, so, but you still, you still, you had increased your vocational. Yes. You, you, I mean, you were doing all the right things. Every class the state of Kentucky offered in the correction system, I took. Every class. There was not one left undone. Uh, I was busy from the time I got up in the morning to the time my head hit the pillow at night. Uh, I, I made a life there, and I stayed busy doing it. And so, uh, but I was blessed with teaching classes and discipling men, and continued to do all the things I'd been doing all those years. Um, so I, I I'm told by the officer in the room that day that I would not be first. And so um, I'm excited. I want to go in and see what my destiny is going to be. Now I felt good. I got up early and 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 I was on my knees and praying and and just felt good about the day. Uh, don't feel like I received anything from the Lord about what my destiny was going to be, but I felt peace. And so uh, the officer said, no, you have um, a conflict with someone on the parole board. And my my exact words were, I don't think I have a conflict with anyone in life. I said, I can't imagine who that could be. He said, well, you do. And so... Um, so the, who told you this? The officer in the room. There's an officer that kind of governs who's going in to the parole board. At that and he time. says, you were supposed to be first, and now you're going to be last. Correct. And you're going like, what's the, what's the deal? Yeah. And he says, you got a conflict with somebody on the parole board. Yeah. And you're like, what? Yeah. So then what? Well, they said he would recuse himself. Um, and so I sat there, Kurt, for probably six hours watching men go in, come out, some making pro, some served out, some being deferred. And uh, 
you know, as you can imagine, my nerves were on end by the time I walked into that pro boardroom. <laughs> wait, 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 waiting six hours? Six hours. So for the listeners, we know because you told us in, in between, give us a little bit of synopsis of what the conflict was. What was the situation? Well, so when I was back at Luther Luckett, um, I was teaching classes. I was sponsored by Southeast Christian, um, taught, a, taught a lot of the uh, um, LifeWay Press publication classes, most of those. I uh, was really blessed there, and we had a, another Universal Unitarian chaplain come on board, and this person asked me to put up some flyers on the board, and, and the wording on the flyers uh, was under ecumenical headship, and uh, so we had some some words exchanged. Uh, I said, I don't think this is ecumenical, so he changed it. He got angry about it and put it under an interfaith movement topic and headline, and then asked me to put them on the board. I said, okay. He said, does that suit you? And I said, that's what it is. And so uh, it made him pretty upset about that. And so he called and canceled my sponsorship and uh, called me back to his offices and said, I need you to pack up your things. You're probably going to be moved here in the next day or two to Eastern Kentucky Correctional Complex. We'll be moving you out of this institution. And so... Uh, he just didn't like you. He did not like me at all after that. We had theological conflict. <laughs> and so... He's like, we're getting this guy out of here. Yeah. And he's... And then, so what happened? He, he's... So... Um, Many years down the road, he's no longer a chaplain, but he's a parole board member. Not just a parole board member, Kurt, but my parole board member, <laughs> who's supposed to recuse of all, himself. Of all day. the people in the world, he's on your yeah. parole board. Yeah. And so, you know, my adversary, <laughs> if you will, he's on my parole board. Now, he's going to recuse himself, they say. And so, um, so I go into the room after six hours, six plus hours. Um, and uh, he's he was he would have been on a teller viewer in Frankfurt, but he was not there. There was another person they assigned in his place. Um, positive he was to her right, um, but the questioning was very difficult. I was berated greatly. Uh, one of the parole board members said, oh, uh, "Mr. Davis," he said, I, "I'm uh, totally impressed with what you've accomplished here." He said, "And so, um, so I see that you've got a lot of education." And then he spins his chair around and to my utter surprise says, but are you kidding me? The severity of your crime is too much. He said, you got all your play on the front end. He said, what makes you think you would get parole today? And to what you said, Chad, I'll, I was, it's funny you would say that because my reply was this. I said, sir, I realized today that if I served out my sentence day for day or if I died here, I couldn't get back what I took. And so he said, okay. Step out of the room, Mr. Davis. And so I stepped out, came back in after the bell rang just about two minutes later. And they said, we're going to serve you out on your sentence. We've, cho- we've decided to serve you out. And so w- what that means is that you will do all of the time that you've been given from the courts. And so a 35-year sentence, um, n- to some people you might think, well, you have to do day for day. But in the Commonwealth, it's not like that. You can accrue meritorious, educational, and vocational good time. So if you stay plugged in and doing the things you are supposed to do while you're in prison, you can whittle away at the end of that sentence and move it back to a certain date as your serve-out date, if you will. So you uh, that's, that's, um, that's amazing. So we're going to take a break, come back in our fourth segment. We're going to hear uh, uh, the end story in regards to the prison life. It's not really the end. It's really a beginning. It's a, it's a transition to a new life that has been developing inside. And I asked a question to Daryl on the break. I said, was prison the best thing maybe that ever happened to you? Not what you did, but 
the time in there? And we'll hear his answer here in the fourth and final segment on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our fourth and final segment today of Solid Steps Radio. We're talking to Daryl Davis, and we're talking about uh, his life in prison, uh, a segment of his life in prison. And he spent um, 20 plus, 22 and a half. Don't forget the half. (laughs) Years in prison. And he'll talk a little bit more about that here in a minute. But we want to thank our sponsors who have been helping us out. We want to thank Dan Hart Financial. Uh, If you are not where you want to be from a retirement standpoint, uh, and you want to talk about how can I be wise with the money that God has provided to me and uh, what can I do about that? Dan Hart loves to sit down and look at your portfolio and help you point you in the right direction and use biblical counsel to be wise with and good steward of what the money he has given you. And if while in the meanwhile, while you're waiting to let Dan tell you what to do with your money, let it go over and sit in Ellen and Credit Union's bank account. So you open up an account at Ellen and Credit Union, let the money sit there, and then you can go give it to Dan and tell him to put it somewhere. So uh, we want to thank both of those folks for sponsoring our show. So Daryl, you've been... they're going to the pro board says no yeah. after 18 years you're going to serve out your sentence and at that time uh you had been doing all those all the right things uh, um you served out 22 and a half talk, talk to our listeners about the what's going on in your mind and how does a prisoner how, i mean how do you how do you even get your arms around, your mind around all these, you know, day in and day out, week in and week out, month in, month out, year after year? How do you, how do you make sense of all that? Well, <clears throat> I think one of the first scriptures the Lord spoke to me right out the back door of uh, that parole board hearing was Proverbs 21.1. You know, the king's heart is in the, uh, the, is in the Lord's hand. He'll turn it whichever way he will as the flowing rivers of water. And, and Kurt... I knew at this point in time that God had prepared my heart for this day and um, the preparation for the answer. I, I trusted God that regardless of whether I had an adversary on that board who was against me or who influenced that decision that day, that ultimately the decision was from God. God's decision was for me to remain there. and. Um, I can't strategically put my finger on what the reason was, uh, but I just trust. I He had built enough trust in me at this point in time to where um, I realized that the timing must not be God's timing, obviously. Now, in my timing and in my mind, it was perfect. I had a job set up. I had a counseling opportunity set up. I had a support group, support base, people, pastors who believed in me, who walked alongside of me. I was, I, I was ready, uh, but God's timing wasn't there. And it was, it was a little disheartening, but I trusted God in it, and, and I didn't have near the problem I had the first time uh, because I was a sovereignist. I just believed that God was in control of my life and that his plan was better than mine, regardless of what it might look like. Even though, even though you got to stay in prison, even though you're behind bars, even though, even though, even though, I'm going to trust him. His plan is better than mine. Yeah. Unless a grain of wheat fall to the ground and die, it cannot grow. And so I knew that my life was, uh, it was being diminished to nothing. God was, was bringing me down to a place to where he was able to pour into me and, and really use me. And so then, then you, you, you moved into getting your master's? I was able to go on and get a master's in divinity. Uh, took about another three years to do that for my bachelor's. And so uh, uh, distance learning is a little more difficult, uh, but I had sponsorship and I was blessed. And uh, it's funny because I, I'm not that smart, Kurt. Uh, when I got my AA, I, I came out with a whopping 3.2. 
GPA, uh, in, but in seminary all the way through, I was able to carry 4.0. So, Is that right? Where my heart was. And so <laughs> I learned to parse and teach etymological layouts and uh, loved spending the time doing that. That's incredible. So, so now talk to our listeners because what God was doing, he was preparing what you're doing now. Yeah. He had a ministry that he wants you to be leading and to be involved in, in, to, in helping other prisoners. That's right. And, and real quickly, uh, this I think I've shared it with you, but this is probably a shock, Chad. So the ministry's name was Proclamation of the Word Ministry. And my five-year strategic plan before I walked out of prison was Proclamation of the Word, Adopt a Grandparent Program. And so that's what this ministry was going to be. Uh, people in nursing facilities and, and assisted care is much like prison. You're kind of left for dead. You, don't, you have to eat when they say eat, jump through hoops, et cetera, et cetera. Can't come and go. And so I wanted to start a ministry like that. And so I literally, when I served out my sentence and walked out into the community, I began to commu- communicate back with some of the guys that was in my uh, just core group, my inner circle, uh, close guys in the Lord, and sent money in to help them and bless them. And the Lord just stopped me dead in my tracks and said, I didn't groom you for 22 and a half years for an adopted grandparent program. <laughs> I groomed you for this. And so, yeah, uh, I understand the, the brokenness and the ploy of, of incarceration. And so that's who we are and what we're doing today. And what's it called? The Prisoner's Hope. We just rebranded. The Prisoner's Hope. You kind of rebranded and refocused, and now you are helping prisoners, in th- those, those, those folks who are in prison and then coming out of prison. And pre-incarceration as well. We work with the families also. So people on their way to prison, in prison, coming out of prison. We work with uh, the families. We do a support group for families that are incarcerated. We do a parenting class for the spouse left behind and a children's ministry for the mentee's children. So multifaceted. So, so t- t- just t- tell our listeners real quickly, uh, a guy who goes to prison and he's going to be in there for five years, um, how you are ministering to a, a person like that? Um, well, first of all, we would work with the families because we want a good support base there. Uh, we want to get behind them and help navigate in the crisis. Um, and so immediately when we start working in the, uh, the life of the person that's incarcerated, we have high requisites. We require them to do a GED, a life skills class, a two-year vocation. We require them to be a core member of the body of Christ, to be involved with two other men once a week in the accountability group, and to do a, a seminary-level Bible study. We, uh, we do ongoing mentoring with them. Uh, when they adhere to our requisites, uh, when they walk out the door, we help them with a cell phone, a job, clothes, uh, housing, um, computer skills, budgeting skills, and uh, find a church. We have two professional counselors on board, and we help them to kind of debrief and unpack uh, where they've been. So when they're in prison and they're under your ministry, they're with your ministry, you raise the bar significantly. I mean, in what, what you want for them. Yeah. Um, you really take seriously what God has for them and wants from them. We do. That's awesome. Do. So, so, so Daryl, um, it, it, just talk to our listeners just as we kind of summarize and wrap up this, this show today. Um, di- maybe they're in disappointment. Maybe they've had maybe not the level of of being in the prison for twenty two and a half years. Just talk to them for a moment. Well, I, I think probably the most important thing that I come to understand in my walk with Christ, and, and I hope that it's something that we I can really share with others, is that 
regardless of the traumatic situations we've encountered in life, no matter the crisis, no matter what we're going through, that God is at hand and God is not aloof. He's not a, a, a God that stands afar off and doesn't understand what's happening. He's not tuned in. He's a micromanager of his covenant. When he sets covenant with us, he says in Ecclesiastics that eternity is shut up in our hearts. The Holy Spirit comes in and he's with us every through every step of the crisis, through every step of the situation. And he's either allowed or disallowed for a reason. Just because we don't have the lens to see why he's allowed a situation doesn't mean for one second he's not involved in that. You know, we're finite, we're here, we have to depend upon time, we live here in this life, but he's infinite and he sees the end backwards from the beginning and he understands exactly what's needed. And, and our physical uh, um, movement forward is not more important than our spiritual growth here in this life. You know, that's what this is about, sanctification, a changing of hearts, a, 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 a grain of wheat falling to the ground and dying that we may be used for kingdom work to glorify him. Yeah, yeah, you you are really talking about how we are to be transformed into the image of Christ. Daryl, it's been a blast having you back. Thanks so Thanks, much. Bro. Thanks for your story and just your heart to share how God has used you. I'm going to tell you, brother, it is encouraging. I've heard it several times, <laughs> and every time I'm encouraged, I'm enriched. Hey, would you pray for us guys that we would be able to just trust in the Lord with all our heart? Yes. Would you pray for us? Yes. Father, we are so thankful that you are a God of intimacy, that, Lord, uh, when I think about the word no, gnosis, uh, that you're intimately acquainted with us, and, God, that your will is us to be intimately acquainted with you and your ways, and your word is truth, God, and it illuminates our path. Father, help us always to rely upon you, even in crisis and trauma, uh, through what we've been through and what we may face, Lord, uh, regardless of what happens, God, let us not move away from you. Let us draw nigh to you, Father, in those times. God, to know that you're right there with us and that you're working something amazing in our lives, God. We give you praise and thanks that you're merciful and kind and graceful. Thank you, Father, for the families that are listening today. And we just pray that your divine hand would rest upon these homes, God. And Lord, just open our eyes. Uh, give us a different lens to see you through, Father, mm. an in, a lens of intimacy. And let us plug in and stay there in Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. Mm. Amen. Thank you, Daryl. Thanks for coming in. Amen. So. The prisoner's hope. A lot of people, uh, if, if there's any group of people who probably get thrown out to the wayside, it's it's people who are in prison. Because a lot of people, like I asked some questions, because the mentality is you deserve to be there. And the truth of the matter is that you, th these are people created in the image of God, made for God to be in relationship with God just as much as anybody who's on the outside. And so it's very challenging to hear someone's story uh, and say, well, you know, you deserve it. Well, I deserve to be in prison. In some capacity, I've driven drunk before and I've stolen things from department stores when I was younger, before I knew the Lord. Hey, should I be in prison? Should anyone be in prison? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's a very haughty viewpoint of people in prison, I think. And so if you are listening to this and you have been convicted or you are now being convicted at this moment thinking, you know what, I have had a really poor view of that. How can I help? I got an opportunity for you, and it's a, it's going to be a fun one. It's called Serving Up Hope. It's a volleyball fundraiser. You like what they did there? Serving Up N Hope. Nice. See how nice. they did that? I like that. Saturday, August the 18th at 9 a.m. till they're done, uh, the Prisoner's Hope is going to have a six-person uh, six volleyball tournament at Six Pack Volleyball at 4026 South 3rd Street in Louisville, Kentucky. That's over by Iroquois Park. It's going to be a fundraiser, and it's free to attend. And if you want to have a team sign up for that, uh, you can contact Carl Newts. Is that Carl's last, mm -hmm. his last name? Yep. 
5364. That's 724 5364. Or you can email Carl, that's K A R L, at theprisonershope.life. And you can register your team and uh, maybe even be a sponsor. They're looking for sponsorship as well. So that's going to be, again, Saturday, August the 18th. Uh, serving Up Hope, a volleyball fundraiser. It says they're going to bump set spike to change the course of people's lives. And it's an opportunity for them to come alongside and help strengthen the communities, those involved with uh, the, the families who are left on the outside. And it's just to help people make that transition. So again, if you want more information, the more information on this, uh, Daryl just told us they need about 100 more volunteers to really function in their ministry. And so if you want to help those who are coming on the out, trying to get reacclimate back into life, go to the website, theprisonershope.life. That's www.theprisonershope.life. And if you can't help out on August the 18th, you can see how you can help them out any other time. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it so much uh, on Solid Steps Radio.